thank y'all for coming and everybody that's here tonight. And I'll be honest with you, uh, if you're not saved, y'all just come on right now. I'd rather pray with you as preach to you. Yeah. I, 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 I mean that. If you want to come on, come on. That, that's Man, you can't sit through that right there and not get stirred up. Yeah. You know, and uh, and I, I've had people tell me, you know, Ben, I, I felt goosebumps. Well, you can have the flu and feel goosebumps. <laughs> But you best be born again if you're yeah. going to heaven. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Right. Thank right. the Lord. If you have your Bibles tonight, turn with me to the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth, chapter 1. The book of Ruth, chapter 1. Again, we appreciate the opportunity to be here. Praying that God just, well, I know God will do great things if we'll just let him. That's right, preacher. He's not slack concerning his promise. And I like that song. He, he's won all the battles and he ain't going to start lo- changing tonight. Matter of fact, in one of our states, the conference, they got up and said, uh, if something ain't changing, it's dying. I said, well, bless God, I don't believe that. Right. Jesus ain't changed. He ain't dead. The Bible ain't changed. It's still alive. God ain't changed. I'm just going to be flat out honest with you. Change ain't the answer. Change is the problem. They're trying to... The Bible don't need to be rewrote. It just needs to be reread. Over and over again. And still it in our hearts. And Because if this nation continues in the path it's going... You better be ready. There'll be a time come shortly we won't be allowed together like this. You say, oh, preacher, that won't happen in our lifetime. There's a lot of things I didn't think would happen in my lifetime that's already happened. I told you I ain't old. I'm just high mileage. Just look that way. We need to be steadfast on the rock. Amen? The book of Ruth chapter 1 kind of give us an introduction Elimelech and his family have left Bethlehem, Judah. They've traveled down into the land of Moab, which was forbidden by God. It's only a short trip. You don't have to go far to get away from God. But may I interject here, when you decide to go away from the house of bread and the house of praise. That's what Bethlehem's the house of bread. Judah is the praise. And when you decide to leave that place, there ain't nothing but trouble right. waiting for you. Amen. They went down there and it wasn't long till Elimelech died. And it wasn't long after that his son took wives of the Moabitess. Now you know where they come from. They're come from the seed of Lot as he was with his eldest daughter and a son was born. And now they've taken them wives of the Moabitess. And not long after that, both sons die. And they're buried there in Moab. Reminds me that if we decide to go the wrong direction, we can maybe come back if God permits But there'll be stones or there'll be markers that will remind us, you listen to me, that will remind us 
of destruction when you're out of the will of God. I travel across this country. I see so many churches trying to do this thing. And, and, and they're, they're, what they're doing, they, the, Jesus ain't in but about 3% of it. And they expect God to move. And, and some churches, they're happy just like they are. They don't want to grow. Bill told me he'd been two years since they'd had anybody saved in their church. I said, I'd have jumped off a cliff by now. But after they had died, the Bible says that Naomi heard that her heavenly father had visited his people. And she decides she's going back. Now let's pick up in Ruth chapter 1, verse 6 said, Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Now let me tell you something, friend. You'll never go to a place that God can't reach you. The Holy Spirit will check you. Now you can, I believe, override that spirit until that voice has no effect in your life. But you'll never go. He said, though I take the wings of the morning and fly to the othermost parts of the earth. He said, I'm there. Though thou send into the heavens, he's there. Though thou make thy bed in hell, he's there. You'll never get away from the long arm of God. She says she's heard there's bread. Wherefore, in verse 7, she went forth. Now notice this. Out of the place where she was. And her two daughters-in-laws with her, and they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. I just want to share this tonight with you in this story. God's grace is sufficient. Now, it's a simple message, but I, I believe there's some things in this passage that if we're not careful, we'll overlook. Here is a young lady, two young ladies that both have the same opportunity. They're both headed in the right direction. And Naomi, because that she has disobeyed God, she, she don't even realize and knowing what, what she's really even doing, she, she's empty now. And she tells her daughters-in-law, says, you need to go back to your country, to your land, to your moms, to your dads. And and she says, if even I conceived and bear a son, you wouldn't wait until he was grown to be married. And the Bible said, notice this, they all wept. And they must have walked a little farther. And she again rehearsed this. And Orpha, the one daughter-in-law, looks at her and kisses her mother-in-law and turns and goes back to where she had come from. And take note, you never read of her again in the Word of God. My friend, there is a possibility. I really don't think it's practical, uh, and, but I believe there is a possibility that a person can go back to the place uh, where the Holy Spirit of God will not deal with them, uh, will not talk with them, and they're seared with a hot iron and lost forever. 
Someone said, Preacher, I don't think that's true. God's a loving God and God's a merciful God. Yes, I'm aware of that. But my friend, so many people today are crucifying Him afresh. And I'm here to tell you, if you go past that point of return, you'll be lost forever. That's good preaching. Come on. I recently, several years ago, yes, it ain't recently, but several years ago, as I was pastoring, a friend, a man I knew had known all my life was in meeting on Sunday morning. I'd give the invitation. He walked down the aisle and he shook my hand. I called his name and I said, don't you think you ought to stop and, and stay right here and pray through? He looked at me in his eyes and he had that far away look, hollow look in his eyes. And he said, preacher, he said, I come up here tonight or this morning to ask you, to pray that God would visit me one more time. He said, I've known the hand of God and I've known the Spirit of God. And he said, I can't feel Him. I can't hear Him. And I promise you, he said, if He'll speak just one more time, you won't have to ask me. I'll be there. My friend, that same man... His own son shot him over drugs and they they, they lived a vicious life and, and he died. Died in that condition. My friend, when God gives us the opportunity, I feel preaching coming on tonight. My friend, when God gives you an opportunity, you better take heed. Or there'll be a marker left with your name on it in a foreign land. I'm glad tonight my name's written in the Lamb's book of life. I rejoice in that and that alone, nothing else. No good have I done, but it's what he done. Naomi says, Ruth, you need to go back to... You need to return back as your sister-in-law. Ruth, that famous scripture that most Bible scholars can quote. She said, entreat me not to leave from following after thee. For wheresoever you go, I'm a-going. Wheresoever you lodge, that's where I'm going to live. I'm just paraphrasing. And whatever you do, I'm going to do. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. And God be unto me as he is. Unto you, I believe somebody said, why would she have said such a thing? I believe while they were there, I believe she had what is called deciding grace. She had to make a choice. My friend, there'll come a point in your life when you're going to have to decide which side you're on. And she could have went back and been like Orpha and never heard of again. But she, I believe she realized that the God of Bethlehem, Judah, was a God that was alive. Any woman that could lose her sons and her husband and still cry out to God and serve Him. I believe they studied the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And she says, Naomi, I'm not going back to the gods that offer dead children, living children sacrifices under their gods. I'm not going back to a God that has eyes but cannot see, has arms but cannot hold, and ears that cannot hear. I'm going to Serve the God of thy land. I say bless his holy name. You need to decide tonight. If you'll be on God's side, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Deciding grace. My friend, most folk just got enough religion to make them miserable. Get in it head and ears. Amen. What do you mean deciding grace? She decided I'm going all the way. My friend, there'll be struggles. There'll be trials and tribulations. 
But as the brothers already referred to, I've read the back of the book. We win. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. Hold on a minute. Preach on, preacher. I'm here to tell you, bless God. I'm glad that I decided as a nine-year-old boy, I'm going to serve God. Now, I ain't always been what I should have been, but I ain't what I was. And he's still working on me. Ruth, they go in to Bethlehem. The Bible says the people are moved when they see Naomi. They call out to her, Art thou Naomi? And she said, Call me not Naomi, but call me Myra. For I've went out empty. Or I went out full and I've come back empty. And God has afflicted me. I left some things back there that I loved. My friend, let me tell you something. You're going to have to leave some things back yonder that you don't, that you love because God wants you to Him to be first in your life regardless of anybody else. I said it yesterday or last night one. I, we say we put God first, but we really don't. We put God first as long as our kids ain't playing ball on Wednesday night prayer meeting. Hello. I'll be gone in a week. You won't have to put up with it much longer. But I'm here to tell you, we need to decide what we're going to do. Whose side we're on. So they get back to Bethlehem. I want to look at not only deciding grace, but I believe there's directing grace. She says, now Naomi, she said, we're going to have to have something to eat. So let me go out so that I may glean. For the Bible says it's the time of the barley harvest. Let me go out that I may glean. You see, God had made provisions for the widows and for the poor. He said, when you cut your fields, He said, leave the corners. Don't cut them. Leave that for the poor folk. Leave that for the widow folks. She goes out and the Bible says she has to stop and has to glean in a field of a man by the name of Boaz. I'm talking about directing grace. She could have went in other fields, but God led her to the place where she needed to be. And she's out there gleaning. And while she's gleaning after the reapers, the Bible says that Boaz returns from Bethlehem. He'd been down to town. I don't know if he'd been to the bank. Maybe he went down to the local diner to eat breakfast. I don't know. It don't say, it just says he's coming back from Bethlehem. And he passes by to check on his workers. And he stops and talks to the superintendent and says, how's things going? He says, well, it's going really good. And then he looks over yonder in that field. And he sees this damsel over there gleaning after the reapers. And he said, my, my, who is that? Now, I believe he had a pretty good idea because if you read that chapter and you you dissect it, he says, I've heard of the things that she hath done, leaving her country, leaving her family, and sticking with her mother-in-law. And I don't know about you, but maybe him and Naomi met in town that morning and they had a discussion because they was kinfolk. But he says, look, man, he and it was love at first sight. Somebody said, well, do you believe in puppy love? I've seen it, but you better be careful. It'll turn into a dog's life. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) But on this occasion, it was love at first sight. So what did Boaz do? Here's what he done. Now, you just read it when you get home. It's only four chapters. won't take you but about 15 minutes. 
Boaz asked her out on a date. He says, what are you doing for lunch? She thinks in her mind, lunch, I'm just hoping to have a piece of bread for dinner. Boaz says, when it comes lunchtime, I want you to come up and eat with me. Woo, glory to God. Now, you've got to understand, it was not practical. It was not even a thing that happened for the handmaidens, and especially a stranger from a foreign land to sit at the table with the men, especially the master being present. But I've got good news for you. When the master invites you to the table, bless God, you don't have to worry about what anybody else says. You can go sit at the head of the table. The Bible says that she went up for lunch and he reached her parched corn. Somebody said, what's the big deal about that? Hang on a minute, I'm fixing to tell you. They too many people satisfied with eating clear down at the end of the table when it's been passed by this one, that one, this one, and that one just living on the crumbs. Bless God, she wasn't down at the end of the table. He reached her parched corn. That means, preacher, she was close enough. She got it right out of his hand. Woo, somebody shout. I'm getting ready to have a fit. Hey, listen, bless God. Now, I love it when you get blessed. I really do. But I can't survive on the overflows of somebody else's blessings. There's times I want God to put me right under the spout and open her wide open that I may know, bless God, that I'm in it. She's eating lunch. Lunch is over. He says, don't you go anywhere else to glean. You follow in my fields. I've told my men not to harm thee. If you need a drink of water, you go tell them they'll give it to you. Maybe somebody here not need a drink of water. (laughs) You've been in the desert, in a valley. It's a little bit harsh. My friend, I'm telling you, just hang on. There's a well that you'll come upon. There'll be a drink of water. And she goes back to gleaning. And after she leaves, Boaz looks at his superintendent, I suppose, and says, Now, fellas, says when her head's turned or she's bowed down gleaning, said, and you see her not looking, he said, just kick a little off the cart and let it fall there. Woo, hallelujah. They call it handfuls on purpose. Now, if you're going to glean just what's left over, you're down on your knees looking real close. And bless God, there's been, whoo, hallelujah. Somebody ought to help me right here. There's been times I've had to crawl to get somewhere. And all of a sudden... I've come upon a handful of purpose. I don't know about you, but I like it when God just kicks a little off the cart and it falls out of heaven and it falls down my way. And I know, bless His name, that where it comes from because there's just some things only God can do. Nobody else would. Nobody else can. But He loves us tonight. And I say bless His holy name. He's a good God. She gleans till evening. She thrashes that which she has gleaned. And she has 30 pounds, an ephah of barley. She goes home, walks in the house, got that bucket of meal, shows Naomi, Naomi says, Dear Lord, where have you been? She said, I went to glean today. 
And I glean in the field of a man whose name is Boaz. Naomi went ding, 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 ding. He's a near kinsman. That's a good thing. She said, I even had lunch with him. (laughs) Oh, she said, well... This is good. Now I'm talking about deciding grace, directing grace. God will direct you to the right place. But now let's just look at this. How about divine grace? Naomi says, now here's what you do. Go in yonder and take you a good bubble bath. Get your best clothes on. Put that spikenard ointment on that you've been saving. You need to go down to the threshing floor tomorrow evening and says, Boaz, who man, I'm feeling good. I don't know if y'all are having a good time, but I'm having a time. He goes down and she said, he says, she says, now when when he goes in after he has thrashed his weed, he he will have drinking and eaten. He'll go in to rest. She said, Go in and uncover his feet. Now let me let me just tell you this. This was in no way. A sexual advancement in any any fashion. This was according to the Levitical law that she could go in and then cover his feet. And if he so chose, if he covered her, that meant what she was actually saying was, "Will you marry me?" Come on. Evening comes. Boaz falls asleep. Ruth eases in, uncovers his feet. About midnight. I imagine the draft or, you, you know, you can tell when somebody's close to you. Yeah. Like my little boy, when he's little, he didn't like thunder and lightning. And I, I'd be sound asleep and all of a sudden I could feel his face breathing on mine. And I'd wake up and he'd have eyes as big as quarters. Why was he there? He was afraid. But he knew if he could get daddy's attention. Everything be all right. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. If I was sitting where you was, I'd shout about now. Amen. So what happens? Boaz wakes up. Who's there? She says, it's Ruth the Moabitess. Well, hey. And he knows what she's wanting. But he says, listen. I'd love to, but there's a nearer kinsman than I. But you mark this down first thing in the morning, break of daylight. I'll be back going to town. We'll get this thing settled. But if he redeems you, he'll have to redeem you and you'll have to go that way. But if he don't, I'm standing ready because I've got the resources. And she gets ready to leave. Now watch this. Don't miss this. And he says, wait a minute. Bring your shawl over here. She goes over and the Bible says... That Boaz lays on her six measures of barley. Thrashed out, that would be about 200 pounds. That's a pretty good healthy girl, amen. (laughs) But watch this. Well, what's the big about that? I'm getting ready to tell you. You remember the day before? She's worked all day. Am I right? She's even gleaned from the handfuls on purpose. And all she got is 30 pounds. But now she's at the feet of the master. And, And before she leaves, 
He lays on her all that barley. What are you saying, preacher? I'm telling you, you'll get more at his feet than you will in his field. Hey, listen. I know we got to go to the field and work, but I'm telling you, don't miss coming to his feet because you'll always get more at the feet of the master than you will in the field. Divine grace. She says there in chapter 2, how is it that thou hast been so graceful to such a one as I, a stranger? He had heard it was providence of God. Next morning, daylight breaks. Boaz goes back to town. Sees that near kinsman. I, I imagine he says, hey, brother, how's it be with thee? How you doing? I'm doing good. He said, well, I got a question to ask you. Yeah, and you know Elimelech's widow's back and he's got a parcel of land. Are you going to redeem it? Oh yeah, he said, I, I, I think I'll redeem it. I, I, I want that property. He said, when I listen, yep. when, when you redeem Elimelech's stuff, you you, you got to get the ladies too. Yep. He said, well now wait a minute on that. He said, I better hold up on that lest I mire my own inheritance. See, he wanted the property, but he didn't want the people. He wanted the land, but he didn't care about the lady. Can I tell you something tonight? My heavenly Boaz doesn't care about your property. He doesn't care about all of those things. He's worried about you as an individual. He's got enough land and cattle that we don't even know about. I'm telling you, the devil just wants to destroy you. But the heavenly Boaz wants to redeem you back to where you came from. He says, I can't do it. Boaz says, well, I can. Takes off his shoe. The city council's there. I guess what I call them, ten men. I guess that's what they were. That's where the covenants were made. That's where the contracts were entered into. And by the giving of the shoe, this was a sign, a seal or a testament that he had redeemed that which was Elimelech's. Now let's look at what happens in chapter 4. The Bible says that Boaz took Ruth to be his wife and went in unto her, now notice, and God gave her conception. And she bare a son and they named him Obed, the father of Jesse. The father of David. Uh-huh, and in 42 generations from Adam, Adam, Abraham, there's a young man born by the name of Jesus. Talking about determined grace now. What do you mean determined grace? Not only did she decide and was directed and was brought into the divine She was determined to make it through. If you ain't careful in the end of chapter 4, you're liable to miss some things. Anybody know who Boaz's mommy was? You want to know? Rahab. Hello. Pharaoh 
had married Tamar, and they had a son, Solomon, who married Rahab the harlot, who had Boaz, who married Ruth the Moabitess. I'm telling you what, this, this stem of this, this tree of Jesus, the stem don't look too good. I ain't looking at the stem. I want to blossom. <laughs> Woo! Glory to God. It ends up good. I just imagine maybe one day that grand boy's playing around his grandma's house. Now you got to be honest. He's born to Boaz. He, he, he's what we probably would consider he might have a silver spoon in his mouth. He probably didn't have it too rough. You know, not being mean, just being honest. Maybe he's just playing. Grandma had him up and said, "Grandma, this is good, ain't it? We got it. We got it good, don't we?" She'd say, "Come here, boy." He'd climb up on her lap and she'd say, "Let me tell you something about Grandma. It ain't always been this way. I was a woman of ill repute, and some spies came to spy out the land, and I've heard of their God, and I believed." And I give them an escape. I let down a scarlet thread. And because of that, I was showed mercy. My friend, every one of us sitting in this sanctuary tonight that's been born again by the blood of Jesus Christ, we were none any better than her. You say, well, I hadn't done nothing like that. It's not what she had done. It's what she hadn't done. But Obed grows up a little bit. Boys, friends, come over and play. And you say, now, preacher, you don't know this happened. Well, you don't know it didn't. So I imagine, <laughs> I imagine he went in. He said, Mom, come on. That shoe on the table. My buddies make fun of that. Can't. Can't we get rid of that thing or put that thing somewhere? I'd say, Ruth said, boy, the last two things that leaves this place is me and that shoe. Why? Because that was a symbol to remind her that she once was a stranger. She once was just a maiden. But now she's the wife of the master, the bride. Amen. I once, what do you mean, preacher? That's Old Testament. Well, let's move up to the new. I'm glad you know it's Old Testament. Let's move up to the new. Paul said we were strangers from the commonwealth of Israel, having no hope in this land, alienated. But through the blood of Jesus Christ, we have been made fellow citizens with the household of God. Now notice what happens. Four times in Ruth. Every time it mentions her, it calls her Ruth the Moabitess. Rahab in the Old Testament is mentioned. Rahab what? The harlot. But move to Matthew chapter 1. And Pharaoh begat Solomon. <laughs> Solomon begat Boaz of Rahab and Boaz begat Obed of Ruth. I thought she was Ruth the Moabitess. She was before the wedding. (laughs) She was before the marriage. 
right. What do you mean, preacher? I'm telling you, when you get hooked up in the bride of Christ yeah. and you get engaged, you're ready to get married, all your past is gone. Yeah. You get a brand new name. I say, bless his God. I'm talking about determined grace. There ain't enough devils this side of hell can keep me from going to heaven. Amen. Why? Because I ain't what I was and I ain't what I'm going to be. But one day I am going to be just like him. Preacher, that's putting yourself pretty high. I'm just telling you what the Bible said. Get a song. I feel I could preach all night here. What do you mean? John wrote in the short epistles, Beloved, behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. And although it doth not yet appear what we shall be, we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And I know he went on to write this. Uh, he said, my little children, I write unto you that you sin not. Ain't you glad the Bible didn't stop right there? If it had stopped right there, I dare say any of us would still be here. But he said, you have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous who is a perpetuation for our sins not for our sins only but for the sins of the entire world. What are you saying preacher? I'm telling you Job the old patriarch of God said this there is hope of a tree if it be cut down the tender branches thereof shall not cease and though the root wax old and the stalk thereof down in the earth yet at the sin of waters it shall bud and bring forth bowls as a plant yea we'll die and waste away and where is he? Oh that thou would hide me in the grave until thy wrath be passed and then he shall call my name he shall remember me if a man dies shall he live again all the appointed days of my life will I wait for my change what are you talking about preacher grace 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 will take me all the way to the city where I live forever in the presence of Jesus Here's a good thing you can go to. If you're not ready, you can get ready. If you've been gleaning, you can come up here and there'll be some handfuls on purpose. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean handfuls on purpose? I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. What do you mean handfuls on purpose? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. What do you mean handfuls on purpose? But God commended His love toward us and while that we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Need I go on? I'm telling you this book has got every answer for everything you need. It answered Ruth's questions and she is now in the lineage of our Savior. I don't know about you. That's pretty high cotton stuff right there. She went from picking to placing. <laughs> I better hush. Heads are bad, eyes are closed. Good place to preach. Good folk to preach to. Just getting warmed up. Maybe there's somebody here that's not yet saved. You're in a foreign land. Could I ask you this right now? Nobody's looking on. Would you just quietly slip up your hand and say, Preacher, I'm not saved. Would you pray for me? Anywhere in the building, would there be one or more? Do that. Just slip it up and say, yes, pray for me. Anywhere. Maybe there's somebody here that's been saved, but you've drifted away. As you'll hear me say every time you hear me preach, God's not mad at you. God loves you. So I want to ask you tonight, if you need help, would you slip up your hand and say, preacher, pray for me. Is there any in the building?
How about it? My prayer is tonight, as Paul was for Israel, that everyone here is saved. If you're here tonight and you're saved, you know you're saved. If you have a need, you have a special need in your life that you need God to take care of it. To be honest enough to just say, Preacher, pray for me. I have a need. God bless you. God bless you. Bless this hand. Bless these hands across this building. God bless you. Well, can I share something with you? The reason there's an altar in the church is so that we can come and God can alter our lives. Help us in the time of need. Keep us. Give us strength. Give us courage. So don't be bashful. Don't be ashamed. There's always a time when all of us will have to use this altar. If you slipped up your hand tonight, we're going to stand across this building. I'm going to invite you to come. You can find that divine grace. You can find delivering grace. Because Paul said, I prayed thrice that God might remove the thorn from my flesh. He said, God said no, Paul. But here's what I'm going to tell you. My grace is sufficient. While they sing, who'd be first? If you slipped up your hand, come. I believe God wants to help you. Would you come?